You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Radio Show. So happy to have you back here again with us this week. Well, you know, for all of us who like to raise small livestock, and that is a lot of us uh, in this listening audience, goats and sheep, chickens, I mean, everything that is susceptible to predation, that is a real concern for us. And, you know, I find myself, uh, we're in Cuna, Idaho, and, and we've got a small farm that backs up to a big canal. And, and I find myself in different times of the year having more stress about predators than in other times of the year. And what's interesting at our place is in the winter, when all the water is out of the canal, the canal becomes a thoroughfare for coyotes. And there's no question about it. That's absolutely true. You see them. And in the middle of the night at two and three in the morning, you hear them, especially when it's really cold out and you see their scat and you see their tracks and you see everything right out on the fence line of your place where we have goats that graze with our cattle. And it's always this question of how do we protect our defenseless goats during the winter? But then the summer rolls around and that canal fills up with water and there's a lot of traffic out there with people checking the canal and predators just don't seem to be the issue that they are in the winter. So it's it's something I always get reminded of. And as it's getting colder and as the canals are having the water taken out of them and, and they're turning into something completely different that are allowing predators to kind of move without being detected, I thought, let's talk about this really quick. And so we're going to have Arishia DeWittiak on the show today. And she used to live in Oregon. Now she is way over in North eastern canada right along the atlantic coast on an island and she has written a great book about livestock protection dogs and she's going to come on and talk with us all about this and everything that you need to know to get started different breeds how to train them how to care for them the different liability risk to you and things like that with having livestock protection dogs and how they might stack up to other animals that can protect your small livestock, such as donkeys and llamas, things like that. So hopefully got a ton of great information for you here today, and I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Orishia, thank you so much for joining me today, and thank you so much for coming on the show. You're very welcome. Well, this is a really interesting topic, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking with you all about this and, and finding out more. It's something that I've considered doing myself, and uh, we keep goats on our farm here in Idaho. So we've lost goats to coyotes, and every winter I can hear the coyotes just right outside my window in the middle of the night. And uh, it's it's one of the things I've considered doing. So I'm really looking forward to learning more, and I really do appreciate you coming on. Great. Okay, well, let's start out like this. Could you, if you would, just take a quick moment just to kind of introduce yourself to our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself and your life today. All right. I'm originally from, I, I am from Canada, I am a Canadian, but uh, I've always been very interested in animals and animal husbandry. I ended up in Kansas State University uh, and did a, a, a master's degree in swine reproductive physiology, of all things. It was an interesting interest of mine, embryology, but while I was at, at K-State, I was uh, reading some of the books or some magazines in the library and came across an ad for these very unusual looking dogs and uh, it piqued my curiosity because I had just acquired some sheep, just a few small sheep. I didn't have a very large property, but I was really interested in, in keeping some livestock. And I, I've always been very attracted to dogs and canine behavior. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's one of my passions is animal behavior. 
studying it, observing it, and um, working with it, and incorporating that into my life. So yes, I spent some time in Oregon, uh, had a small sheep farm there, and of course we had coyotes. Uh, those were the primary predators for livestock, and that's how I got involved in um, in the livestock guardian dogs. And of course, the breed that I chose happened to be the one that was advertised in a magazine that that I had read at K State. But uh, I've, you know, since then, I learned a lot mm-hmm. about all the various breeds that are available, and have actually gone to Turkey to uh, actually look at the dogs that I was interested in. So, in a nutshell, that's that's kind of how I got into this area of livestock protection dogs. And eventually, um, my husband and I co-wrote a book about them because there wasn't one. Uh, whenever we started breeding dogs, uh, selling them for work in agricultural situations, and uh, basically had a lot of, of, there was a steep learning curve for a lot of people. And so uh, we wrote this book in order to help people do just that. And that's exactly how I found you, is is the book, which is very well titled, Livestock Protection Dogs, Selection, Care, and Training. Right. Now, you're talking about this breed you became interested in. What breed of dog was that? Uh, the breed is called the Akbash dog. It comes from Turkey. Uh, it's an all-white dog, um, similar in many ways to breeds that had been introduced to North America earlier, such as the Great Pyrenees, um, the Kuvas. And later, there are other breeds that are similar, like the Marama from Italy. So different countries in Asia and Europe have developed their own strains and um, types of dogs to work with livestock as protection dogs. Not so much herding dogs, but dogs that actually will protect the livestock from predators and, and disturbance. So it's the Aquash that we started with, and I still have one. But I, yeah, so that was the breed that, uh, that I championed. So now today when we're speaking, you're in Newfoundland, is that correct? I'm on Prince Edward Island. Okay. It's a very small island. It's the smallest province of Canada, but it's in the, the vicinity of Newfoundland. It's on the east coast of Canada. Okay. North of Nova Scotia, north of Maine. But at one time, you were all the way across the continent and you were living in Oregon. What brought you out our way? Uh, Oregon uh, had to do with the jobs, uh, working at Oregon State. And uh, that's what uh, brought us out that way. Now, when you first had livestock, was it there in Oregon or was it when you were in Kansas? In Kansas, I had a few sheep, but I, I wouldn't call myself a farmer at that point. So. <laughs> okay. uh, but yes, in, in Oregon, um, we bought a property. And again, it wasn't a very large property at all. Uh-huh. But it was out in the country and um, it was, you know, enough to, I mean, I had a small flock of, of sheep, of, well, maybe 40, 50 sheep. But my neighbors told me that, uh, watch out, there's lots of uh, coyotes around. And, and and I said, that's fine. I brought this Aquash dog with me. So, you know, <laughs> I, I should be just fine. And as it turned out, one of my dogs um, used to go over to that neighbor's place before I had really good fencing, and um, she took care of his sheep and yeah, as well. Um, <laughs> and he can tell me for the longest time. He said, "I said you should get yourself one of these dogs." He said, "I don't need to. I, I've got yours." And I said, "What?" <laughs> so she'd been going over there because she saw sheep over there. So she thought, you know, they're all they're all hers. And sure. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Well, we've got a great uh, chicken and the egg question here. Did you get sheep? because you had the livestock protection dog or did you get the livestock protection dog because you wanted to have sheep? That's actually a really good question. Um, I was really interested in having sheep, but I also wanted a, a dog. Uh, I was thinking like of a border collie because I had never been able to have my own dog where I lived and when I went to university. It just wasn't, you know, um, possible to get a dog. So I I was thinking, you know, I was trying to look into the different breeds and I was attracted to many of them, but just mm-hmm. being practical, I thought, 
maybe a I would guess, you know, border collie or something that that could coexist with livestock. So they kind of came together as a package. But especially when I realized, you know, that there was this particular type of, of breed or breeds that were developed and selected to guard livestock. And I thought, wow, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I didn't know I was looking for that, but I knew it as soon as I, <laughs> I read about it. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to kind of get into more about the breeds and about the different predators that livestock protection dogs can help us with, okay? Okay. Take the fall by storm at D&B Supply during our October sale from the 17th to the 21st. We've got the gear you need to cozy up to cooler weather. From comfy clothes to camo kennel covers to hearthwarming deals on wood and pellet stoves. And with all DeWalt tools on sale, pick up what you need for fall projects too. So take the season head on and head over to D&B from October 17th to the 21st. If you're like most homeowners, you have places where you don't want any kind of grasses or weeds to grow. Places like a patio, driveway, gravel path, or fence line. But here's good news. You can get rid of unwelcome plant growth by spraying those places with Ortho Ground Clear Vegetation Killer. One application starts working immediately to kill existing weeds and grass, and it prevents new growth for up to a year. So keep your property looking neat and clean. Get Ortho Ground Clear Vegetation Killer today. All right, Arishia. Well, let's talk about breeds for a moment. So uh, we know how you selected your breed. How many different breeds of livestock protection dogs are there out there? You know what? I don't know the answer to that because I'm not sure that anyone knows how many different breeds are out there. We find that the more research we do and the farther afield we go, the more breeds we discover. Mm -hmm. And not only that, depending on which part of the world uh, you are, uh, people will call a certain type of dog a breed. I mean, it gets kind of, you know, into that technical sort of what what is a breed mm-hmm. um, as far as, you know, reprodu- reproducing the characteristics from generation to generation. But in general, I would say there's probably at least 40 around the world. And I think that there's still like maybe subtypes and others beyond that as well that we are not that familiar with. And there may just be small pockets. But yeah, there's just quite a few, actually, okay. uh, mostly Europe and Asia. And I want to ask you about the behavior of the dogs. And you were talking about your dog going and taking care of the neighbor's sheep. So these dogs that do this, is it innate in them to guard flocks of of small livestock and they just want to do it just naturally? Innate. It's, well, first of all, most dogs have a a guarding instinct, Mm -hmm. a defensive instinct, you know, to protect their turf, to protect their resources. Mm Mm-hmm. These breeds have been selected to that that sort of sense of guardianship or protection. It has been enhanced. Um, but on top of that, um, the other traits that you find in, in these dogs is that they generally look at livestock not as food, but as part of their their family, their turf and their property. And that only comes about when people get involved and, you know, shape those behaviors and reinforce those behaviors. Mm-hmm. So the instinct to guard is, is definitely innate. It's natural. The instinct not to hunt and not to be predatory is not as natural okay. <laughs> because sheep are definitely edible when it comes to dogs. <laughs> right. When they look at a sheep or a chicken, because because they do, these dogs will also guard poultry and uh, all kinds of things. So it's a matter of raising the dogs in an environment where, 
they understand under the human's direction that um, these little animals or these big animals, whatever they are, are part of the properties that they live on and part of the person's, you know, their guardian. You know, we're we're the ones who are directing them and saying, okay, this is now part of your home and part of of your family. Mm-hmm. And that's it's it's that extension of family and what belongs to them that makes them guardians as opposed to predators. So once that is instilled in them and they're looking at the the flock of sheep or the the goats or the chickens even or or whatever it may be as their property that they're going to guard and protect as that livestock wants to move around the property and they want to browse or graze or forage in different areas, does the livestock protection dog just naturally follow them and, and stick with them as they move from place to place? Yes, they, they normally do. We call it bonding, that they've bonded to these mm-hmm. animals. So they're, since they've grown, and they're generally usually the best guardians start off as puppies, very young dogs, and live in, in the proximity of livestock. So they just naturally become attached to them. So yes, so that's why they're they're wonderful for areas where there's, you know, huge swaths of land where where animals will be grazing and they'll be constantly moving and the dogs will move with them. Mm-hmm. Plus they automatically because it's again it's in their nature. This is not something we can teach them. It's in their nature to uh, survey the territory and to move around and basically be vigilant about what's out there that could mm-hmm. potentially threaten the livestock. That tends to be innate, that kind of recognizing a predator. And and once they bond with the flock or with the herd or or whatever it may be, if they're on a large swath of land or if there's a gate left open or a way for them to get out through a fence or something like that, will, will the livestock protection dogs, will they take off like other dogs and be gone or are they going to want to stay with that herd? Uh, They do both. Okay. So, so, I mean, it depends. It's all, it, it's all the conditions and how the dog was raised and also the innate tendencies of each individual dog. Some dogs have an incredible sense of territory. I mean, anything they can hear, see, or smell, they will consider part of their territory. Mm-hmm. And so in, they, they can work in open range conditions where quite often there will be somebody there or in, somewhere nearby, you know, a shepherd who will be out there with them uh, for periods of time to kind of control that a little bit. But yes, some of them actually can get into a lot of trouble by leaving the sheep or the cattle. They've been known to be picked up by hikers and mm-hmm. taken away because p- people that are maybe hiking in the, you know, Colorado or wherever in the West will see uh, these dogs and just, they don't know what the dog is. And if they're friendly dogs and like people, they can be lost because people will actually take them home and bring them to shelters. Okay. So, so that's, that's unfortunate, but that's, that's one of the hazards of open range uh, grazing and using the, the livestock guardians up there. The dogs, some of them bond very, very strongly to their stock, the livestock, and they, they don't stray far from them. Mm-hmm. Others are more wide ranging, and some of the breeds have predispositions to do a little bit more or less than the other, you know. And then within each breed, there are some who are very shy and really want to stick with the sheep, and others that are much bolder and will go out and look for trouble. <laughs> so, so that you get it all in these dogs. All right. Well, let's take another break. When we come back, I want to I want to talk to you about the predators that we face out here in the West and, and find out, you know, what we can and cannot use livestock protection dogs to protect our animals against. Okay. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So DMB Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. 
Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. Get pro grade tools at primo prices at DNB's DeWalt Tool Sale. October 17th through the 28th. Save up to $200 on select tools like the FlexVolt Brushless Premium Hammer Drill and Impact Driver Kit. Then top it all off with serious savings on the rest of the lineup, too. Power up your fall and make filling up your tool shed easier than ever at the DeWalt Tool Sale. October 17th through the 28th, only at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Arisha, now that we're back, let's talk about predators. So uh, our listening audience, uh, especially on the radio side, is uh, based in eastern Oregon and then all through southwestern Idaho. And so our listening audience, we're going to have people who they're facing predation from from wolves, from bears, from cougars, coyotes, fox, bobcats, and probably other things that I am not thinking of, including domestic dogs uh, in areas where they could attack uh, goats or sheep and things like that. How much protection can livestock protection dogs offer us against, I guess, each one of these predators? Or is there something on that list that they cannot help with? Potentially, they can help with all of those that you've listed. Uh, Let's face it, grizzlies are a lot bigger than dogs. And cougars are pretty powerful animals and can be quite lethal. The best dogs, and I call it best in the sense of a dog that knows the job and also knows how to survive in the face of, of, a, of an overwhelming predator. The best dogs will know exactly how close to get to and when to retreat when they're dealing with trying to drive off, say, a grizzly. Now, if a grizzly ends up in the middle of a flock somehow and is you know, just having a field day in there, most of the dogs are smart enough to just bark and bark and try to harass the the bear or even say a cougar to go away. You know, in the case where they have backup, you know, if they're the barking, of course, if there's more than one dog, and usually there are because in those situations, usually they're large flocks. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's several dogs working together and they do work as a pack and they will harass whatever, you know, animal is either approaching their flock or in the flock. They have been known to have been mauled and killed by bears and cougars mm-hmm. and occasionally wolves. Yes, there are there are fatalities and, and many injuries in this job. It's a very high risk job, and especially in certain places. Packs of anything are, of course, really dangerous, uh, whether it's uh, coyotes, because coyotes do pack up sometimes. It depends on the kind of coyote and their hybrid or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's highly variable, and they, they certainly can be effective against all of those predators. But again, you know, if they suddenly come upon a grizzly and they don't have a chance to, you know, try to get the grizzly to move off or even a black bear or whatever, they could end up in trouble if they get too close. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not something you can teach a dog. It's going to be in the dog's nature to understand when they're being threatened and and how far to push. Mm -hmm. And there are some breeds and dogs that are more aggressive against predators, some that are less aggressive, um, and they will back off and they'll just bark a lot and and posture to try to make make the predator move along. So again, it just depends. It's um, the really wise ranchers and and shepherds will know how many dogs they need in any Mm -hmm. particular area, depending on the predation pressure in that area, and also 
how the, is it a, a flock that bunches that, or is one that's really dispersed because there are certain breeds of sheep that tend to disperse more when they're grazing and others that stick together. So again, depending on the, the terrain, and the terrain also is the kind of terrain, like, you know, if you've got lots of scrub bush and stuff where, where coyotes can slink through and not be detected versus open range where you can see for miles. Knowing the terrain that they have these animals in will should dictate what kinds of dogs they have and how many they have. There's no one formula or recipe because it a lot of it has to do with the experience and just trial and error. Now, like I mentioned before, we have goats that we do multi-species grazing with our cattle with, and so they keep the pasture really nice and eat a lot of the stuff in the pasture the cattle won't eat. And so we like it for that reason. But a couple years back, I had our goats on a, a piece of our property that's not as close to the house as other parts and was a little bit shielded by a row of trees in a creek. So they weren't very visible to me. And we lost four goats one morning, and I think it was coyotes. It could have been domestic dogs, but I have reason to believe it was coyotes. And so I started looking into protection animals and what we could do. And that there's three things that always come up when you look this up. And there's, of course, dogs. And then people talk about llamas and people talk about donkeys. What do you see as the the benefit of using dogs as opposed to those other protection animals when it comes to this type of thing? Well, I would want to know what kinds of predators are in the area first before, you know, deciding on what kind of protection to acquire for the animals. Donkeys generally are, are good against smaller predators, well, like coyotes. Mm-hmm. They, they, and again, when you're looking at donkeys or, or llamas, you can't just pick up any old donkey and any old llama. They do need to come from a reputable breeder, uh, somebody who knows the, the nature of those animals. And some of them will just turn tail and run if they see something scary. Others will, like, you know, donkeys quite often dislike dogs. And depends. Sometimes the males and females can be different in that regard, too. So if it's a light predation pressure, where, say, it's mostly stray dogs, it's maybe more in more of a, an area where there's, uh, you know, more people as opposed to, you know, there's farms, but there, there's a maybe higher concentration of farms in a smaller area. Maybe a donkey might maybe just what you need mm-hmm. for uh, maybe a smaller flock, which is already fenced in particular, that would be important too. If they just can't stand the sight of a, of a dog and they'll go after it and stomp at it, well, you know, you, you might be good there. Mm-hmm. Llamas, this neighbor that I was mentioning who, who had the, the uh, services of my dog, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, he had started out with llamas, but he found out that he had two or three llamas. And when the predators came along, the three llamas packed together all by themselves and nothing did nothing for the sheep at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was just those llamas. And if it was maybe just one llama, it would stay with the sheep. And again, they can't take on wolves mm-hmm. and you know, so it would have to be light, lighter or less serious predators for the, for the hoof stock to be really um, useful and effective. And again, each situation is just a little different, so it depends. I think the dogs are better when it comes to packs of wolves, bears. Well, they're great for the coyotes as well and for stray dogs. So, I mean, they basically cover it all. But you know, one thing is that you have to feed them. And so with at least with donkeys and llamas, they can graze along with the, with the hoof stock. So that's one less, you know, chore to have to deal with, right. I suppose. There's pros and cons for whether you go with a canine or a, a hoofed animal as a predator control. Well, let's take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about care, shelter, and training, and things like that for livestock protection dogs, okay? Okay. 
You work hard, you play hard, and you wear Burn, durable clothing that fits the bill no matter what you're up to. Available at your favorite D&B. Since 1915, Burn has supplied busy Americans with workwear made right, made affordable, and made to get to work. Whether you're earning a living or just living large, Burn clothing is rugged, comfortable, and perfect for the whole family. Pick up Burn gear at D&B Supply and be ready for wherever life takes you. Are you ready for a steal? Then stop by D&B to pick up steel power tools. German engineered, these power players offer quality that never quits. Like the Steel MS-271 Farm Boss Chainsaw. Available for just $429.95 with a 20-inch bar and chain. Show your project list who's boss and leave it in your sawdust. With legendary chainsaws, dependable trimmers, forceful blowers, and epic tools of the trade, steel powers through anything. Grab a steel at your favorite D&B supply. All right. Well, let's talk about care and shelter for livestock protection dogs. So do they just weather the elements like the animals that they're protecting, or do we need to provide them with some additional shelter? Well, again, that depends. Puppies probably need a little bit more sheltering than adults initially, but they grow up pretty fast. Most people who use them, the dogs, will have them out with the livestock in all kinds of weather. In the worst, you know, in blizzards and this sort of thing, they will stay out with the animals if, if they're allowed to. And I mean, that's the whole idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of these breeds have, pretty much all of them, have pretty thick coats. Not just necessarily a long coat, but a pretty heavy weather-resistant coat. And uh, uh, when they live out in the, in the cold, it will actually enhance the growth of that coat, the undercoat. So they, they do need to have a nice you know, protective coat if they're going to be out in, in that kind of weather. Mm-hmm. Water and feed, of course, those are things that have to be taken care of with when you're dealing with the dogs. So they need to be fed periodically, uh, hopefully every day. Some people have feeding stations, especially if there's a you know, certain area that where the sheep or cattle or whatever are grazing. Feed stations that where they, you know, the livestock can't get into it. If that works for some people, others will just, you know, want to be out there every day anyway, just to see how things are going out on the, you know, the ranch or in the, in the fields so they can feed the dogs then. And of course, water needs to be available for them okay. or they will go look for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're going to get thirsty and they're going to go. Uh, yeah. now, what about the care of the animals? And we talked about feeding a bit in water, but uh, when it comes to vaccinations and things like that, what do you recommend? Well, I recommend that they get the usual, you know, shots, uh, puppy shots uh, when they're young uh, so that they do have the immunizations. When they're young, you, you would normally be around them a little bit more anyway to, to supervise them as they're bonding to the livestock and, and you know, trying to get keep them out of trouble because puppies will play and chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's natural for them. So that has to be dealt with. That's very important, actually. Uh, but yes, for the health care, for sure, um, you know, things like burrs or different kinds of things stuck between their toes and that every now and again, you do. it's good to, to be able to handle each dog so that you can make sure that they're okay and that they don't have any kind of wounds that might fester. You know, maybe they, you know, got cut on something that's out there. Mm-hmm. So, so there's the usual care that you would have for any companion dog. And perhaps, you know, they show no sign of being injured or whatever. You don't, you know, need to be examining them carefully every single day. But, you know, there should be some oversight. Uh, after all, it's an investment with, yeah. when you first get these dogs and you it takes a while for them to mature to where they're working and, and are useful to you. So uh, taking care of them is in the best interest of, of the rancher as well uh, as the dog uh, for humane reasons. Um, so 
they're pretty hardy dogs for the most part, and and they they generally really love doing what they're doing. So when it's a good fit like that, uh, everybody's happy. Now, how about training? When when you start them off as a puppy, as you recommend, what should you be doing with them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis uh, to turn them into the protection dog that you're looking for? Yeah, that's really critical, and this is where we find that I think a lot of people have trouble. If they're going to have trouble, it's going to be that those early weeks when they're first introducing the dog to the livestock and the livestock to the dog. So, you know, you, you occasionally will have, you have a flock that's never seen a dog mm-hmm. or, you know, has been around them, or maybe they've the only kind of dog they've seen has harassed them and terrified them. So they have to also get used to having dogs around. So initially it, it can be a long process. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight by any means. And I mentioned that the puppies can be pretty frisky and want to play. That's normal, and that's where there's vigilance that's required to keep an eye on the puppies in the early early weeks and months. So that really the best way to raise them, if you don't have, have uh, you know, mature, trained dogs out there in the field with the, the stock, is to keep them close to home in pens where they're maybe with a, a, some of the livestock or right next to the livestock, you know, through a fence so that the, the pups get used to the stock, the stock get used to the puppy, and then let the puppy in, you know, to mingle with the livestock while somebody's there supervising. And you have to be careful. You Sometimes they seem to be really good in there. They don't get into any trouble. They don't chase. Um, and all of a sudden, you look out and you see a puppy tearing after a lamb. So that's a, a balancing act, and it's something that's probably the hardest thing to do, I think, in, in everything that, that we need to do with these dogs and getting a good working dog, it's those early months. Those, and sometimes it takes a long time. It could take a year to two years before a dog is really trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times it could take, you know, eight months and you've got a dog that just knows what it needs to do. And But uh, most people, the biggest mistake they make is trusting their dogs too soon. Mm-hmm. That's where it's good to get the dogs from, you know, good lines, good working lines that where the temperaments are well known. Very, very good advice. Thank you for that. Let's take our last break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about protections we need to take for other people, for other pets and things like that on our property when we are using livestock protection dogs. Yes, good. When cool fall weather comes, you might as well look cool too. That's why D&B carries Wrangler with jeans and clothes made to roll with the times for people who work hard and have fun. The defining Western brand since 1947, Wrangler is a true original, designed in the spirit of courageous individuality, just like you. With new styles and great fits, they're real comfortable, too. Get fit for fall and get into Wrangler jeans at your favorite D&B supply. D&B's got just the feed for every horse at every life stage. Purina Strategy. Whether your horses are growing, breeding, showing, or performing, Purina Strategy delivers the right density of protein, energy, and fat with less starch for more endurance and overall stamina. It's true. The standard in horse feed just got better. Our Purina Strategy horse feed now includes Outlast Supplement to support the gastric health of every horse in your barn. We'll see you soon at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Arishia, so we're talking about livestock protection animals, and obviously their instinct, uh, especially once they're trained up and they're bonded with the herd or the flock, is to protect those animals. So when it comes to that, if somebody, a neighbor or some, you know, or a kid or somebody like that finds themselves in your pasture, on your range, or 
or whatever it may be, or you have other pets. You have your own pet dogs uh, that are not protection animals or cats or, or something like that, and they find their, their way out there into that territory. What is the risk for those people, and what can we do to mitigate that risk? Well, once again, it goes right back to that early puppy training. The best thing to do if you know you've got neighbors that can or, or people who may possibly enter your property without you being there mm-hmm. or children is to introduce those puppies to other people, to the cats, to the pet dogs when they're puppies. And what they learn as pups, you know, is to say, oh, that's part of the family. Uh Or, you know, it's okay for somebody to be in this pasture, even though it's not, you know, the owner or the person who feeds me. There are other instances where, where owners do not want anyone in there. And so they should be posting signs on the outside of the property, you know, guard dog at work, livestock guardian at work. There are signs that you can actually purchase that are specifically for that that sort of uh, situation. And I think certainly that's something that's very important and can cause a lot of trouble if somebody gets hurt or, mm-hmm. you know, a pet. Now, pet dogs that get into your pasture from somebody else that are loose, I think those are probably not covered I don't think anyone can litigate against that because most, most, uh, especially in in agricultural country, um, it's the farmer and their property that they have the rights to, you know, to protect their animals. So anything that goes in there, well, especially if it's a as a pet dog or something, mm-hmm. there's not much you can that the the owner could do. But it's good to let. It's also good to let the neighbors know this is what I've got these dogs. So please keep your dogs at home. Or, you know, keep them on leashes or whatever they need to do to keep their dogs safe. Cats can be a bit tricky. (laughs) Some dogs just don't like cats. I have a dog who doesn't like cats, but he lives with one because he has to. And, you know, we we have rules. So some dogs will know their own cats that that belong to the farm. Mm -hmm. But if a stray cat gets into their pasture, bye-bye kitty. (laughs) Right. Maybe, maybe not. You know, it depends on the dog. Some dogs will kill anything that doesn't belong there. I mean, they'll kill gophers, they'll kill rats, they'll, you know, so they'll, they'll actually kill varmints, which is kind of nice. It's a little benefit to, <laughs> That's right. to the farmer. And they will sometimes become hunters and actually eat those things. And they can kill rabbits. I mean, they they learn to distinguish what's food and what's not food mm-hmm. or allowed food for them. Of course, most of them are fine because they, they get fed properly and so they, they're not they don't really feel like they have to kill anything. Sure. But especially with people, it's very important. Uh, people have been bitten by these dogs and, and they have people have been sued. So it's it's a risk that farmer and rancher takes. So it's best really to have the dog to be, you know, friendly and accepting of people and all people, you know, strangers and so forth. And when it comes to larger livestock, like I was mentioning before, we like to graze goats with our cattle. Uh, When it comes to larger livestock, uh, the dogs, they're going to, they're going to bond with the larger livestock. And even though they're bigger, they're going to want to protect them as well. Yes. Yes. I mean, again, it's, it's situational. If you have only had sheep, the dog has only known sheep. And all of a sudden you bring in a couple of cows. Mm Mm-hmm. Dogs are probably going to bark at them and try to keep them away from the sheep because they are strangers. So, again, it's a matter of of exposing the dogs to any new livestock. If they've got to know them, you know, maybe because they were in the next pasture over, they've seen them all along and now they're all together. Usually that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. They've smelled them. They've seen them. They've heard them. They know they belong, you know, on the farm. And that's not usually a hard problem for integrating a flock or, or, you know, moving things around. Sometimes dogs do get upset when you remove certain sheep, like, you know, sometimes when lambs are being weaned, they can get quite upset (laughs) because they're bonded to all these sheep and they they understand when animals are in stress and crying. But that's, you know, that's 
life yeah, that's <laughs> on right. the farm. They will get it. They will get it. They will adapt. They're very adaptable. But again, it's if you can do it when they're puppies, it's a lot easier. So that's what I tell people. If you're adding, adding or taking away animals, make sure that the dogs have a chance to see that and uh, understand it's okay. Well, Arishia, thank you so much for coming on today and doing this. And also, you know, thank you for seeing a need and then writing a book to help other people with this. The book is Livestock Protection Dogs, Selection, Care, and Training. It can be found at Amazon as well as uh, Alpine Publications, if I'm reading that right. Did I get that right, Arishia? That's correct. Alpine Publications. Yeah. And I I don't know if they've uh, renewed their stock, but they were going to be doing a reprinting because there is a demand for the book. Hopefully they've done that by now. Best of luck with the book. And and thank you so much for talking to us all the way from the Atlantic coast and Canada today. Really appreciate your time. I'm very delighted to be here and, and to share with you. So thank you. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.